Welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form, I'm Luke, and this week as we kick off Septangent, I have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Charlie Davis. I have a podcast of my own called, uh, wow, <laughs> The Young Ones. I almost forgot the name of my own podcast. Um, and me and my partner, Mikey, talk all about teen superhero teams. And um, September is a great month because it's my birthday month. So, <laughs> Happy almost birthday. Thank you. Well, I got you a gift in the form of complicated comics. <laughs> complicated like dc like Im- like imprint comics that i know nothing about but i'm excited to learn about them from you so yeah um devin's grandmother is turning 100 years old this weekend and so oh, wow he, yeah he was not around to do stuff so i figured i'd bring in someone who has feelings about dc comics <laughs> I uh well I would say a hundred a hundredth birthday party is a very good excuse because that's like a once in a very uh small while thing so yeah we'll we'll yeah. talk about these and uh I have some feelings I have uh, some limited feelings about DC Comics but uh I'm always happy to learn a little bit more so yeah uh so Tangent initially came out in two different waves in 1997 and 1998 so this week I'm going to be going over the 1997 books and it's a weird imprint because there's not really an overarching story there's like small continuity nods which also makes for some level of a reading order but it's not like one million or some of the other stuff. Yeah. So would you say that somebody that was like would you say just by your knowledge like this would be a good a good series to like jump on to if you weren't really familiar with DC comics? No, this would be the thing that's like, oh, I think that the Flash is supposed to be a teenage girl and why are there like all these white dudes running around in red suits? Okay, so the opposite of what I said, all right. Yeah, no, this is like a big question mark point where you go in and like there's chairs that are glued to the ceiling and the floors are slightly slanted and it's like, look at this weird house that we've made. There's things you recognize. So it's a mystery, the mystery spot. So it's like the mystery spot of comics. Yes. Okay. I don't know why they did this beyond like oh you know this would be a fun experiment and there's some good ideas there's some like stuff that i like in here but a lot of it's just like oh what if we twisted their names um if you want to turn it into a drinking game please don't (laughs) please don't do that (laughs) yeah and there's a loose order with only like minor continuity issues in here uh for the first year the second one is a bit clearer but uh we are starting off with the atom which had uh writing and layouts by dan jurgens with finishes by paul ryan colors by pat garrahy separations by digital chameleon and letters by dave lanfear and it's it's 90s comics especially in the fact that they actually have a separate uh separations artist credited is it when you say 90s ass comics we're talking about like nine like late 90s comics because there's a there's definitely a like a like a a turning point between things you saw like in between like 1991 and like 1994 and things you saw from like 1995 onward to 1999 so what realm are we talking when you say 90s ass comics (laughs) It varies based on who's writing. Uh, wait till we get to the Riddler. <laughs> so the Atom is a weird book because it's sort of a, it, like I'm going to break it down in a way that makes the most sense as opposed to the story order. So way way back uh, during World War Two, scientists once the war was done wanted to study the effects of radiation on humans. And so they, like, irradiated a bunch of dudes, and the only guy who 
survived was Arthur Harrison Thompson, who got sick, but he didn't die. And he ended up mutating into sort of like a gray alien. And yeah, got, yeah. and he got sued in a house in New Mexico. In 1962, I don't know why that says 32, um, <laughs> the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. And he got drafted to stop the missiles, but he was too late, and Florida and most of the southeast United States were destroyed by missiles. Oh, bad. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of their, like, big keystone change. So, Thompson uh, continued working through to stop the other missiles that got sent out, and he ended up preventing World War III from escalating, and got introduced by the government as the Atom in a costume that initially covered up that he was a gross-looking gray alien man. He became a big hero, made a bunch of money, and changed history. Okay. And do you know how he got the name Adam? I mean, enlighten me. I'm assuming that has to do with the fact that he's irradiated, but I could be wrong. But also, his first initial is A, and his last name is Thompson. So, Adam. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, okay. Well... That, I mean, there's worse naming conceits out there. Yeah. But, like, one of the ways they're, like, he changed history is the Beatles instead called themselves the Atomics. Oh, 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 it's one of those weird... It's It seems like it might be one of those weird, uh... Like, you know when you, like, when they change, like, a, like a event like that in the past, and mm -hmm. how everything also starts to seem like a weird retro-future type of deal? It yeah. kind of, like, seems like where this is, that's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, he became a big hero, got married, and then vanished until the moon landing where they found that he was living with his family on the moon! <laughs> like you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he retired, and then in the 1970s, the second Adam showed up, but he ended up getting killed. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, no. And so now it's 1997 when we are introduced to the new Adam, Adam Thompson, who wanted to hunt down the Fatal Five, who are Ice, Shadow Thief, Kid Psycho, Deathstroke, and Count Viper, who had killed his father like could three be years revenge. ago. You know, that's a good, mm -hmm. that's a good, like, if you're going to take revenge, I mean, that's a way to do it. That's a classic right there. Yeah. And so he's got your generic flight ability, super strength, and he can also mess with the density. Like uh, Deathstroke, who is sort of a vampire, is like, oh yeah, I'm going to suck your blood. And the Adam just like changes the makeup of his face. Okay. And melts it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so he captures all of them except for the Shadow Thief, who mentions that his father had nearly destroyed the planet. And that his legacy is built on lies. Oh no! Oh no! Not that. What is Sh what can Shadow Thief do? That sounds like an interesting code name, and I'll be disappointed if it's not what I think it is. Uh, he does not have actual shadow powers. Oh. He has like technology, and he steals technology. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> He's also got a '90s ass suit with like random wires everywhere. <laughs> It's like, is it, com is it coming from the, um, oh gosh. Now, of course, I uh, I can't think of the name of the gentleman I'm thinking of, but that's all right. I'll come back to it when I remember. Yeah, and I'll have the uh, image gallery up for uh, the episode up on the website. Good. So we see the president, Sam Schwartz, and John Holliday, his chief of staff, have been watching... Uh, like the Adam, because this was his first appearance, taking on the Fatal Five. And we also see that the president is being watched by the mysterious organization Nightwing. Oh, poor Dick. Yeah. <laughs> he got grouped into this too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So they want to find out what happened to the original Adam. And they find him by tracking the new Adam and the original Adam is out fishing in the middle of the ocean. And like, you, also like you do. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like a fisherman's hat and he's maxing and relaxing. And <laughs> so Adam, the Adam 
is like, tell me about your mysterious secret. Uh, Nightwing ends up beating the location of them to the Shadow Thief, who's like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to break into this military base and fire nuclear missiles at them in the ocean. It sounds like it almost like just looking and like looking at some of the things I'm looking at right now. It sounds like the uh, Nightwing organization might be a little bit like the Patriots, like from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I have not played any Metal no! Gear Solid. <laughs> no, my my reference is lost on you. It's okay, Luke. That's all. All you need to know is that the Patriots are a shadowy organization that have basically shaped the. Um, world's history to keep people from like to keep society afloat basically oh but in okay their own, but in their own weird way yeah it's it's like that there's a guy who vapes souls who will come up later <laughs> excellent so uh shadow thief tries to nuke them they survive the nukes and then they fly over to him and the atom's like okay Tell me the truth, and Shadow Thief is like, all right. So back in 1962, when the first Adam wanted to break free and teach those Russians a thing or two, uh, he accidentally ended up killing one of the guards that was there. The handlers who he had found out, and he's like, oh, well, I really fucked up here, so I'm going to destroy these missiles and try and make up for it. But because he was full of radiation... The Cubans thought that he was a missile, so that's what caused the Cubans uh, to fire their missiles initially. It was his but, fault. Mm-hmm. So that's why he made sure to destroy all the missiles afterwards. And Shadow Thief was the son of the murdered kid, but because his dad worked every day next to this guy who was super irradiated, that's why Shadow Thief is also irradiated and why he uh, has wires. Okay. So it's like, this is all your fault, but we've covered it up. And mm-hmm. now we're only telling you that now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, you should tell the truth. And the third Adam is like, yeah, no, I agree with this. Otherwise, you'll never be a real hero, even though it will cost you everything. But you'll have my respect. Mm. And this has been a secret that Nightwing has been keeping the entire time. And so the new Adam goes to set up a new life and he sees his grandfather reveals everything to Congress, which makes Nightwing very angry. Oh, yeah, no, it's not. It, it sounds like it's, it's the Patriots, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that sounds exactly like what that is. It's a couple years before Metal Gear Solid. It's right. Hideo, Hideo Kojima wasn't in on this, I'm sure. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised because up next we've got the Metal Men. <laughs> okay does apparently according to this the is, is lobo in this comic yes and no okay all right so it was written by ron mars with mike mccone on pencils mark mckenna with nick gray on the inks chris chuckry on colors and chris eliopoulos on the letters it's a good last name oh yeah chris eliopoulos is awesome he also has written a bunch of comics and he'll occasionally uh look for people to do comics work online good mm-hmm. good man yes so Lori lamaris you know the same name as superman's mermaid girlfriend <laughs> yeah just, just like that yeah uh she meets with the president sam schwartz in the white house to ask about the special forces detachment that he was in known as the metal men so we get a flashback 30 years ago in Czechoslovakia in 1968, which was the final front of the war against communism that was still going on. The Soviets developed Red Tornado, which was a chemical weapon, and they were using it. So when the Czech resistance got an unexploded warhead with it, the metalmen got called in to retrieve it. And are you ready to get introduced to the metalmen? Please tell me. Okay, so first off, there's Carl Walters, a.k.a. Grave Digger. <laughs> Not a large monster truck. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Next is Ray Quinones, a.k.a. Lobo. Oh. Because he's a solo wolf man. I, I got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's not an actual wolf man, though. 
But disappointing. But go yeah. on. <laughs> then there's Francis Powell, aka Black Lightning. Okay. There's John Holiday, aka Hawkman. But not but not the ones we know, right? Right. <laughs> okay. These are just soldiers. That's okay. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> Marcus Moore, who is the leader of the team, and then the current president in the current setting, Sam Schwartz, who okay. does not get a cool nickname. Oh, that's unfortunate. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're just it seems like we're just giving them out, so everybody yeah. should get one. They just ran out of nicknames. So the team got set up and called in for help because there was a lot more people who they thought were going to be there. And then everything got worse until they were saved by a Czech resistance fighter known as Raven. And Marcus doesn't trust her. Oh, and she... yeah. Because <laughs> she could be a communist. Yeah, that's a good reason <laughs> right there. And so because they were able to give the location of a bunch of troops, uh, they get the Air Force to come in as they head down into the sewers where a bunch of refugees are living. And they end up heading to the tomb where the Czech resistance has kept the warhead and they're ready to leave with it, except that Marcus wants to use it to blow up Moscow. Oh, boy. I was going to watch out for those ones. mm -hmm. So Sam is against them using the warhead. And Marcus is still like, oh, yeah, no, if we blow up Moscow, then we don't need to worry about losing this thing. And the team is divided on what they want to do when more Russians swarm in. Black Lightning gets injured. Marcus thinks that Raven set them up, and that's when things get nasty. (laughs) In the end, Marcus and Sam are the only ones who are left unharmed. Marcus wants to still reprogram the bomb. And they get to a standoff until Raven shoots Marcus from behind, killing him. They leave his body behind because they can't carry everybody and also the bomb. And so they all escaped. And the information that they got from the bomb helped them to end the war. See, this is so weird because it's like, here's this... (laughs) Okay, here's this story and Mm it is... Like, it's like someone's, like, own story that, that, that has merit. Like, listen, this is a thing that has merit. It's like a, it's like a war story, right? So yeah. I don't, I, what I don't understand is the fact that we've just now, like, like actually, like, carbon copied um, the names of superheroes onto things that have nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like, that's so bizarre to me. Like, I made, mm. like, here's this cool story I made, but I'm just going to put, like, it's like, it's like someone's fan fiction, kind of. It's like, I'm going to give them these names. It's fine. <laughs> it's my awful fan fiction. Yeah, it's my really... It, these are all my OCs. TM, TM, TM. So, uh, we go back to the present, and we are reminded that John Holiday, who we saw before, is the chief of staff. Lobo and Black Lightning both ended up getting paralyzed for some reason. <laughs> Gravedigger vanished. Oh, boy. And Sam married Raven, who is now the First Lady. Which, I feel like that would have been a big, like, controversial point in the yeah. election. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, oh, just a little bit, I think. That's... Um, yeah. And so, she has just gotten back from Beijing, where China is working on some sort of Supergirl. Oh, boy. <laughs> And unknown to the president and his staff, Marcus Moore is still alive, and he is the leader of Nightwing. Oh, (laughs) now you said all of these are kind of like loosely like connected. connected. Yeah, like there's no, there isn't like an overarching plot line for this one. It seems like. It's, it seems like you'd be better off reading them all, though, and that might yeah, do you some harm in the long run. So, are you ready to get spooky? We're almost in October. It's basically Halloween. Go, go for it. Up next we have Green Lantern. 
Written apparently by James Robinson. <laughs> yeah. And you know who did that uh, pencil work? J.H. Williams. <laughs> the third. Yeah. Yeah. This is, that's kind of impressive. Like, it is the best looking of the books. Uh, Nick Gray did the inks. Lee Lawridge did the colors and separations. And Dave Lanthier did those letters. And so Green Lantern is sort of a horror comic style host. Uh, who has the ability to bring the dead back for one final mission thanks to her magical Green Lantern. This conceit seems a little more interesting than the other one so far. I'm just yes. going to go out there and say that. So first she brings back uh, Captain Comet, who gained his powers from a magical meteor, became a big superhero. There was some controversy because he was black. And he died trying to stop a missile with a red tornado in it. And so now that he is back, he flies into the mansion of Senator Edward Mason, who is a famous art collector. And Captain Comet steals him away from the party and drops him off on a cliff. And he's basically like, oh, yeah, uh, Senator Mason, you had planted a bomb at the army base because you were a spy for the Russians. <sighs> but because you survived... You got to come back as a hero. And the sender's like, yeah, but I've tried to do good ever since. And Comet still wants revenge. So he's like, okay, yeah, when you get back, you'll get to see what I did. And Captain Comet ended up destroying his home and all of the art inside of it. Well, just desserts and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next story is about King Faraday, who was the exiled king of Moldavia, who used to solve crimes as if they were puzzles and then he'd write about them for magazines and so he shows up at the house of mystery publishing office to find roy raymond his old editor to turn in his final mystery we also find out that he died because he was supposed to go riding with a bunch of captain boomerang's uh stunt pilots but when he needed to eject from the plane he was too fat which is like okay that's... really yeah we're gonna go there on okay yeah and so he has come in to report the murder of ralph digby and ultimately reveals that it was his old friend roy raymond who killed ralph digby because ralph digby was an asshole who planned to pretty much uh scrap the company for money okay but corporate buyout and all that yeah but he really doesn't need to report it to the police or anything because that's not his job. And then the two men share a drink. Okay. You know, just like old crime noir stories and everything. It's fine. Yeah. Uncle solves it all. And then the last story is the story of Arthur Curry, who is one of Captain Boomerang's pilots, who is meeting with a mysterious newspaper reporter. He gives her the rundown of Captain Boomerang and how he had joined the team when he helped to save the audience of a show from the Dark Stars, who are the evil Soviet uh, rival pilot gang. Okay. And even and even though he did lead to the death of King Faraday, connection, uh, he's still got to stay on the team. And... Like now, Captain Boomerang's team is his family ever since his mother had died during the war, and he never got to know his father. And she gives him photos of his mother with Captain Boomerang and says that he is secretly Captain Boomerang's son. And when he goes to give the photos to Captain Boomerang and then talk to him about this, she vanishes because she was his mother the entire time. Oh, wow. Trying to reconnect him with his father. Okay. Okay. See, uh, does it ever go into? Okay, so this this seems like it's like an anthology of like other stories. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like, so do we ever learn anything else about the actual Green Lantern? <laughs> uh so the second one, uh, the second year of tangent introduces like three potential origins of the Green Lantern. Okay. But like. She's mostly kept as an abstract. All right. All right. So there's like, here's this thing that's happening and these people are coming back to life kind of deal. Like, mm. but it's all like loosely connected to like her in general, which, okay. Okay. Yeah. 
And so the next story we have is The Flash, which was written by Todd DeZago with pencils by Gary Frank, inks by Cam Smith, letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Weirdly, colors and separations got credited after. Uh, they were done by Patricia Mulville with separations by Jameson. And we are introduced to Leah Nelson, who's The Flash, who has light powers. Her parents were astronauts Celeste Nelson, who was the chief engineer on the flight, and Captain Terrence Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, while they were off in space, Celeste got pregnant and something ended up giving powers to her baby. <laughs> and so now Leah Nelson is a public figure who also tries to help people. Her father is a like dick dastardly type of villain who always tries to capture her for Nightwing. He oh, has wow. he has like his own gang of henchmen, but like in a super corny ass comedic way, the plans always backfire. <laughs> it's like wacky racers. Yes. <laughs> Good. Like the machines will fall on him or he'll end up hypnotized. <laughs> it's not a bad bit. But it's just like, okay, I, I get what you're doing here. <laughs> but yeah, though no, that seems kind of out of like kind of out of place in a place you're not when you're not looking for it. I got gotcha. you. Especially because we're also brought back to the main Nightwing agency where Black Lightning and Marcus Moore want to capture the Flash because she has continually escaped the clutches and they want to turn her into an evil agent. So they have now created Darkstar, who has the power to absorb life energy. Mm. And so the Flash, meanwhile, has issues trying to choose a dress that she's going to wear for the night. But her father ends up interfering uh, with an attempt to try and catch her, which fails. And when it fails, uh, her father decides that he's going to set up his own new plan unaware that the superiors at Nightwing are also trying to plan a way to capture her at a hollow vision premiere where it's basically going to be a 3d movie that you can watch okay but that first plan fails so he has to prepare another plan like <laughs> got plans it's... on plans on plans yes and so Darkstar is given the explicit orders not to activate until he is told. And uh, when Kelly and his team, uh, meanwhile, have set up their robot Metallo, who's a special remote control robot, you know things are going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so Kelly's remote control ends up controlling Black Lightning's chair. So Black Lightning <laughs> accidentally activates the Darkstar robot uh, when he says, now stop this thing on accident. So Darkstar ends up absorbing his own containment unit and himself. <laughs> and when Kelly gets angry that his robot Metallo is not working, he kicks it and it falls on him. Wow. So inside, Black Lightning activates his contingency plan, which summons a light hologram of the Flash, a sort of reverse Flash. If you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who rips the dress that Flash had bought and so Flash creates a bunch of light dupes and uh, Reverse Flash returns to Black Lightning after the fight. But she reveals that she was actually the real Flash who blinds Black Lightning. And then she decides to run off with her best friend to avoid the paparazzi. And when her dad finally gets out of the Metallo robot, he ends up getting drugged with the chemicals that he was going to drug his daughter with. <laughs> And everything turned out better than expected, I guess. Yes. It, it's a weird comic book where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this guy repeatedly like get crushed and hypnotized and hit by cars. <laughs> but also, oh, yeah, here are these people who actively want to kill his daughter. Yeah, like, it seems really strange to just, like, like to juxtapose, like, this evil organization that actually, like, has ill intent with, like, that kind of like cartoon Looney Tune like and then all and then to splice it together with the fact that like like we could be telling like a like a charming story about a teenage girl that's, that's very yeah weird. it's very weird James Robinson what were you thinking well no that wasn't James Robinson 
That was Todd oh, DeZago. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. What were you thinking, Todd? What is Todd's plan? <laughs> so then we have The Sea Devils, which were written by Kurt Busiek, with pencils by Vince Giorano, inks by Tom Palmer, letters by Clem Robbins, with colors by Jason Wright. So it sure has an interesting uh, little blurb next to it. Mm hmm. In what used to be Macon, Georgia, there is now Shaligo, where the sea devils, who are descendants of the fish that were mutated by the nuclear strikes, live. <laughs> Which is very weird, because it's like, oh, is it just going to be fish that were native there? And it's like, no, we got some killer whale people here. We got some shark people. <laughs> they, they came over here for this. It's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they are led by the tribal elders. And the tribal elders are led by their leader, Ocean Master. Like, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone's favorite superhero. Yeah, everyone's all down for that Ocean Master. <laughs> and so another sea devil got murdered and the elders want action. Meanwhile, Redfin, the son of Ocean Master, is a teen who wants to do teen stuff. And so he heads to the surface in New Atlantis to meet up with his friends. And he heads into the bar, the Black Pirate, which some humans don't really like the Sea Devils. But the bartender's like, yeah, but they pay me with fucking Spanish doubloons, so I'm doing what I want. Yeah, so uh, they're cool. And so Redfin meets up with his friends and his girlfriend, who was a human, J.J. Murray. Oh, man. Oh, wait, sorry. With his human girlfriend, J.J. And then Murray, who, like... Well, I made very unclear notes there. <laughs> so that's when Murray, who likes Redfin, opens the door and a bunch of racist bar patrons are like, oh, that fish man's kissing a girl. <laughs> and so they attack and the sea devils get into a fight. They take everyone down and then the bartender calls the police on them. So they escape into the water, leaving JJ behind, who's just able to get past the police really easily. When the sea devil teens are going back, though, they notice a giant enemy crab attacking the city. And it's also going to head towards New Atlantis. And so Redfin is like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. He bursts into the governor's office. And it turns out that, oh, no, the governor is JJ's father. And he's able to get the governor to make a deal. He's like, oh, yeah, we will stop this crab. If we get weapons for it and you actively publicly acknowledge that we did this thing for you, land dwellers. <laughs> and the governor's like, yeah, we'll hook you up with a gravity bomb. But then secretly he plans to never reveal that they work together. Because he's a jerk. Of course. Now, when they say, okay, so this says mer people, but I'm getting the feeling from what you're saying that this actually, they're actually like mutated fish people. They're mutated fish people, but okay. they're based on like actual fish. Okay. Okay. That's way different than mer people. Like, why is it? Okay. Like, that is a special thing. Like, we all know what mer people look like. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. No, these are not aerial. <laughs> yeah okay i feel like i was all right <laughs> these are like actually like more street shark-esque mutated fish people i got you yeah and so unfortunately for the governor though the deal between redfin and the governor was recorded by bum bum bum, bum the joker <laughs> yeah I, that's not the that's not who i would have guessed but here we are so the teens prepare to exact their plan, but the giant enemy crab causes a building to fall towards Ocean Master and Redfin, who are trying to have an emotional discussion. And out of the rubble, Ocean Master rises, and they exact the plan with Thrasher, who is a shark sea devil, with an attitude problem, sacrificing himself after telling off Ocean Master for not respecting his son. That, what you just said, the, the, the shark man... Mm -hmm. That's like, that's like, that's pure 1997 channeling that right there. <laughs> yeah. So the plan works and the giant enemy crab is entombed and the entire city celebrates and Ocean Master leaves the celebration. 
revealing that he is actually Redfin, and he goes to visit his father who dies, knowing that his son can be a great leader, even though Redfin would rather still continue to party. Like, he doesn't get the, oh, I'd rather, or he doesn't get the whole, oh, I guess now I have to be the leader. He's still like, yeah, I'd rather be partying with my friends. Yeah, so it's just probably a bad scene. Like, yeah, you can't force someone to be a leader. It's sort of a good inversion of that, though. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And so next we have The Joker, which was written by Carl Kiesel, with pencils by Matt Haley, with Tom Simmons on inks, Chris Eliopoulos on the letters, Moose Bowman on colors, and Jameson on the separations again. And this so seems, this one seem this one seems like this one seems like at least from this little blurb I'm looking at, it seems like maybe it is slightly maybe closer to like what it was supposed it, it actually is like in the regular DC universe maybe. In New Atlanta, John Keel, <laughs> a cop, wants to get an impulse soda, which is part of a recurring bit in the universe where the impulse soda machines never work. <laughs> That's actually good. I like that. <laughs> and the Joker shows up, messes around with him, and criticizes the police before running off with his hat. And so... <laughs> Keel and his partner, Moon Rider, chase after them. And she ends up popping their tires uh, where they stop is outside of a base where she had captured the criminal doll man and his gangsters. And as he goes to arrest them, Keel finds out that it was all broadcast by the Joker, who then heads home to her secret base. We then cut to the world's finest e-magazine where... Lip Johnson is looking for Lori Lamaris, whose camera was returned by the cops. Keel wants to know what she knows about the Joker, and she says that nobody's really sure. Gives some theories like it might be the ghosts of everyone killed in the nuclear explosion. <laughs> and then the uh, cops leave. Outside, the Joker reappears and steals Keel's gun. Switching it out for a fake gun, which makes the police angry, and Keel becomes a person of interest as the only person who has been targeted twice by the Joker. The police, Sergeant Francine Rock and Captain Orion, are able to track the highest number of her sightings to Higher Atlantis University. There, a young student, Mary Marvel, is stopped by Harley Quinn, who wants to bully her. Meanwhile, Brother Power gives a speech about the need for anarchy. The Joker appears, and Brother Power is like, oh yeah, we want you to lead us. As Keel also shows up, and she ends up messing with Brother Power as well, and then runs off, leaving everybody confused on just what she really wants, if she doesn't want anarchy, and if she also hates the police. Which... I don't know why people are so confused about criticizing <laughs> the police, but also not wanting anarchy. The nineties were weird. Yeah, it was it it, it was a simpler time, Luke. Like yeah. in a way, like uh, like I can't I don't know if I'd want to go back there, but it definitely was a simpler time. Like yeah, <laughs> back when the Democrats had to be like, oh, we're going to be pro big business. Yeah. It, it it was definitely time a time. It's like a lot of a lot of nineties comics actually, um, like it because it was the whole like like rebels or like anti anti authoritarian like attitude. But it so it was that's kind of weird that like we we fell away from that and then like went back to it so hard. It's interesting. It's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she then knocks out Keel, who wakes up in a fantasy during the Cuban Missile Crisis where the Joker keeps appearing everywhere as everyone, and as he tries to save the people, he fails. And he just gets to see a bunch of the Jokers consumed in a nuclear explosion. Oh boy. He is woken up by Madame Xanadu of the V-Arcade, and he demands to know where the Joker is, and she is just like, oh, yeah, no, this room was booked anonymously. 
And so Q putting things together heads to the Cuban Missile Crisis Memorial, which is this like really forgotten about memorial on the lower part of New Atlantis. And he thinks that he got called in here because his father was the one who sent the missiles. And he thinks that she might be uh, someone who lost people to the explosions of the missiles. And uh, she just wants people to remember. And that is when Big Barda, who is Dollman's partner, shows up. And so the Joker runs off as Big Barda chases Keel. And he ends up finding the Joker who had planned on luring Big Barda into a trap as a impulse soda machine explodes on her and uh, knocks Big Barda out. She leaves Keel with the soda and, and they load of questions. And as he opens up the pop, confetti shoots out of it. And the bit continues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's like, ooh, which one of these three people might be uh, the real Joker? See, do these ever get wrapped? Like, if there's like a question like that, does that? Yes. Does it? Ever, does it ever, okay, okay. And it is very, very disappointing because it's like, <laughs> oh, year two, we've raised all of these points and questions. We've also introduced some new people. Let's make very clear what everything is. I love how this this was like a 1997 thing, and then it actually went on for another year. Like, man, the 90s were weird. The late 90s were weird. Or even weirder. Well, the weirdest thing is that in like 2008, they did a crossover that was coming out the same time as Final Crisis that wrapped this up. Oh my god. A 12 part. (laughs) I mean, I guess no one ever forgets, do they? No. And the weirdest (laughs) thing is they like abandon half of the stuff that got introduced. Like the sea devils aren't even mentioned at all. Yeah, I it, guess. They make some choices. Um, yeah. Like, so, yeah, it's just fodder for, for later. <laughs> it's fine. So we then have Nightwing. Which was, which was written by John Ostrander. With art by Jen Jersima. Colors by Gloria Vasquez. With Heroic Age on Separations. And Dave Lanfear on the Letters. We start off with Nikki Fayur, a young woman being chased by Firestorm soldiers, until Gravedigger, from Nightwing, shows up and tells them to stop. They refuse, so he says Shazam, and Nikki turns into a giant cat lady named Wildcat, who kills them all. Okay. She is not a sexualized cat lady, though. Just a cat lady? Like feral yeah. cat lady? Like uh, Like feral? No, like a, what if you turned a, like, school's bobcat mascot into a murder machine? That's even weirder. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We then get to see Vincent Lord, a.k.a. Hex, who is a man in a trench coat with a magical robot familiar. He gets approached by Nightwing agents, and when he tries to attack them with attack magic... It fails because they have magical charms preventing that. So he hypnotizes them to think that they're dead. Yeah, all right. Elsewhere, Arlette St. George, a.k.a. the Black Orchid, who, have you read One Piece? Uh, Only a little bit. Only Uh, a little bit. Do you know Nika Robin? Yes. Yeah. She sort of has those powers where she can make, like, demonic hands pop out of walls and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, like she gets surrounded, she defeats them by grabbing them, and she gets caught in by Gravedigger. Oh, and here's the important thing. Are you ready? Go for it. She needs tantric energy. Oh. Yeah. John Ostrander, why are you so horny? Why this? Yeah, really horny for this one, I guess. Oh, she's also got a Gambit accent. Oh, the way that you the way that you uh, pronounced the name, I had a feeling it gave me mm-hmm. it, it gave me big gambit energy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that BGE. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> so they all meet up in Washington D.C. 
and we find out that they were all saved from Nightwing by Gravedigger. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the way that you say it, like the Monster Truck commercial. Oh, it's yeah. very good. Well, what else am I going to do on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? <laughs> good point. <laughs> we also get introduced to where the Nightwing headquarters is. And so it's a secret pentagram star that is under the Pentagon. <laughs> okay. And uh, Marcus Moore gets called in to talk to the leader of Nightwing, who is the Creeper, who vapes souls for energy. <laughs> like, he has all of these orbs that have souls in them and then he smokes them and absorbs energy from them is it the only way he can do it like he can't like touch them he has to actually like you gotta rip, rip those rip. souls yeah you gotta um rip a rip a like a like a sweet cloud of of soul cotton i guess yep <laughs> and so he gets updated that grave diggers groups of rogues plan to inform the president that Nightwing exists. But this group of rogues is unaware that there is an informant there. And now for those of you who are playing at home and listening, do you know who the informant is? Um, you know what? Why don't you just tell me, like... <laughs> It's it, it's Gravedigger, the person who we have seen interacting with Nightwing several other times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Comics. We're just gonna. We're just. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Comics is a good way to just explain that. Like I like the idea, but it's also oh, uh, it would be nice if you hadn't played this card before. Yeah. It's like here. I guess we'll use this one again. Mm-hmm. So the rogues sneak in with Black Orchid turning into the president's wife, Raven. Remember how she was a Czech resistance fighter? Yeah. Well, the creeper has a secret tunnel into the White House that he crawls through. Sure. And like, every, like you do. Like the creeper is pretty much a bald, spooky looking thin man. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> So the president gives the, or so Black Orchid, so Black Orchid gives the president a dream about the origin of Nightwing, and how it was set up under the authority of President Kennedy, but he was killed before anyone else was aware of the organization, and that Marcus Moore, who was in the Metalman, along with the current president, uh, he controls the organization, and they are part of an even older group of secret magic users that were founded by Vandal Savage that was known as the Order of St. Dumas which split during the American Revolution into Nightwing or America and Meridian or Europe. So we have a chart. We have to have a chart now. Yeah. Okay. So Vandal Savage set up the Order of St. Dumas which during the American Revolution split into Nightwing, which is now controlled by the Creeper, who controls Marcus Moore, and uh, also the secret Nightwing rogue organization. And the other side doesn't really factor into this at all. And the Creeper, we find out, also has Moore's soul in one of those vape orbs, which mm -hmm. is how he controls Nightwing and uses it to help his group of evil wizards known as the Dark Circle. All right. So now there's wizards. Yes. All right. And then Black Orchid in the dream tries to have sex with the president. <laughs> but <laughs> luckily, but luckily the creeper stabs her. So the rest of Nightwing rushes in. And the president and his wife got drugged way before, so that's why they are not waking up during all of this. Okay. And they are able to stop the creeper, and they capture him. But it turns out that this was Gravedigger's plan. Because now Marcus gets to vape his soul back. And 
grave diggers. Rogues don't know that they work for the actual Nightwing organization. This is a whole lot, Luke. Is it like your Metal Gear Solid? It is. It it, it is. Except for I've kind of got I kind of got a handle on that one, um, but only because I've thought about it a lot. I maybe if I sat down and thought about this. Too. Okay. Well, we only got two more. We only okay. got two more, so we're almost done with this nightmare. <laughs> so up next, we got the Secret Six which was written by Chuck Dixon, with pencils by Tom Grummet, colors by James Sinclair, and letters by Ken Lopez. We start off with a mysterious underwater explosion that kills a bunch of Orca Sea Devils, so Firestorm decides to send in their agent, Gunther Gans, and this discussion is captured on film by a news lady who was just hanging out at the beach for whatever reason. No. So, meanwhile, in California, the Atom, the Flash, Hawk, and Canary are doing a signing for charity, and Flash's mother wants her to team up, and that's when the news report comes on, and so Adam and the Flash decide to head out and respond to this weird murder of sea devils, and Hawk and Canary don't get to go because neither, neither of them can actually fly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also have not mentioned that uh, the Flash's mother wears a American flag one-piece swimsuit-type bodysuit everywhere. Like, all the time. All the time. I all mean, the time. I mean, sometimes I mean, sometimes you just know what you're about. And she is into America and having a husband who is constantly trying to kill her daughter. They divorced. That seems kind <laughs> Okay. Alright, it's better now. It's fine. <laughs> in Guatemala, the Manhunter and her robot dog are out for revenge, and they are told to find Dr. Aquidus by an informant who she was forcing to talk. And she was like, promise I wouldn't kill you if you told me. And that's when she kills the guy with her robot dog. She is extreme. Like Adam X? Uh, yeah. Like Adam X, but mixed with a ninja who has a long red ponytail. So sort of like Adam if X you... and Shatterstar as a ninja. <laughs> kind of if, yeah, I was going to say kind of if you just like push those two boys together. <laughs> Meanwhile, in San Diego, the Spectre, Taylor Pike, sneaks into a military base only to be caught by Gunter Gans, the plastic man who offers him a job. And, in New Atlantis, the Joker stops the Riddler. You, you know what the Riddler's deal is? Does he actually just tell, does he actually just tell riddles? No. no. He, wants, he wants to riddle people with bullets. Are you... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> No oh problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she ties his shoes together and then pushes him down the stairs to stop him. All right, I like that one. <sighs> yeah, he looks like a knockoff Deathstroke. Oh, I was going to say, he's either, he sounds like he either looks like that or the Punisher. So. And uh, so she gets back to her base and she sees the news about the sea devils and decides to help. So she steals a boat and runs into some of Dr. Aquatus's men. And then the Manhunter shows up and helps uh, the Joker take him down. And Joker's like, oh, wow, you brutally kill people. And Manhunter's like, yes. Meanwhile, Plastic Man and the Spectre. Uh, walk towards the base underwater like the Spectre is riding inside Plastic Man's body because he's more of like a big clear cube man. Okay. A jiggly cube man. A, okay, like a jello man. Yes. Okay. 
and at Dr. Aquatus's base, Warlord, Damage, and the Eclipses are preparing for their boss's plan. And we see that Aquatus is in a giant tank of water because he is made out of water. And as the infiltration starts, we find out that Aquatus not only developed the Red Tornado weapon, but he was also a, the person who helped to turn uh, Plastic Man into a guy who was merged with a bunch of plastic. Like literal, okay. Yeah. Literal. We've gone literal here. Yeah. So Adam and Flash arrive above the ocean, and Aquatus has turned the ocean into something that he now controls because he is a water elemental, and he declares that he is Aquaman! <laughs> and he captures them. So inside the base, all of the heroes are fighting, and they are able to free the Adam and the Flash, and they are able to stop the Eclipsos who were powering up Aquaman, and they disrupt the energy, and yeah, it they they stop the plan, and they decide to form a team at, because they work so well without even knowing that they were working together, and they call themselves the Secret Six. All right. There's lots of, like, secret. There's, across both big two, there's lots of, like, secret and then six. Like, there's a lot of that going on. It's fine. Six is a good number. Like, it is. It is. That's, like, as many people as usually on a team. So, I, I'll, I'll let it go. And we got one more comic to cover for this All week. All right. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm jazzed. You should be, because it's time for the Doom Patrol. <laughs> which was written by Dan Jurgens with pencils by Sean Chin, with Kevin Conrad and Ray Crissing on inks, Jason Wright on colors, Digital Chameleon on separations, and Dave Lanfear on the letters. We start off in the far-off distant future of 2030, where the world is falling apart, and Lord's Day, a.k.a. Firehawk, and her boyfriend split up as literally the world is falling apart. She heads off to Daylight Labs, Day is spelled with a D-E-Y. Where her mom is, and we meet the rest of the team. Her mom is Dr. Daedra Day. There's also the androids Star Sapphire and Rampage. Star Sapphire is a lady and Rampage is a dude. Alright. And as they prepare to go back in time, the third Adam, Adam, shows up to stop them. <laughs> and when they leave, he tries to warn them about Nightwing but they don't hear it, and he tries to stop them, but he is too late, and even though he wanted to kill them, he was unable to, and behind them, the Earth explodes. So, oh. yeah. So the ship that they were in, the Kitty Hawk, lands in 1997! And <laughs> they immediately decide to just make a press conference, and they also pretend that they're not actually from the future, because that would raise a lot more questions. And so they pretend that they can just see the future. And most of the people are like, uh, yeah, we have no reason to believe you. And Dr. Day is like, well, I've got three things that are going to cause this future to uh, be inescapable. First, a Soviet flight to Mars will explode. Second, the U.S. government official from the NSA will be killed by the Soviets. And three, a storm will hit New York that will destabilize the Earth's core. And so, the conference doesn't really go anywhere. Gravedigger is actually in the audience, and he asks them a question. Uh, Daedra gets the nickname Doomsday. And, yeah. So they decide that if no one will believe them, they will have to manually stop the events from happening. They go to stop the rocket, but Soviet soldiers think that they are attacking, and so they shoot their rocket with a missile, which blows it up, bringing the first prediction to happen. Nightwing, meanwhile, is very angry that there's this new team that knows so much about them and also blew up the Soviet rocket because they wanted to blow up the Soviet rocket. Yeah, well, they're from the future. It's fine. Mm -hmm. 
We then get a moment where Lords is interested in the Atom now that he is younger because he's in the past, but her mom gets really angry about it because he did something to her family in the past. That's when Jake Wiley from the National Security Bureau shows up on orders from the president, and they realize that he is a person that the Soviets are supposed to kill. Rampage sees that he has an explosive pin on him, though, and when he calls it out, Jake is like, oh yeah, I was supposed to use this to kill you after I left, but I guess I'm going to do it now. And so he blows himself up, and Star Sapphire is likely able to shield them all. But that brings the second thing, sort of, to having happened. And that is when Nightwing has also decided to steal their ship, the Kitty Hawk. Star Sapphire tries to blast the helicopter they're carrying it off with, but ends up breaking one of the temporal things on the ship, which causes a hole in space-time and a dangerous storm. And the team realizes that, oh yeah, they're the ones that doomed the Earth. Oh, what a twist. Mm-hmm. And so they want to close the rift, but then they realize that, oh yeah, we sort of screwed up everything. And Dr. Day realizes that the experiment that her family is going to do will be the thing that ultimately destabilizes the Earth. And so Doomsday and Firehawk run to the lab to try and stabilize the machine while the other half of the team uh, closes the rift with the atom. And they're like, okay, well, this universe may still be screwed. We're not entirely sure. The atom accidentally destroys part of the labs. And they're like, but at least we know that the atom will definitely remember everything when, uh, in like 30 years in the future and should be able to warn them about Nightwing and Nightwing secret attempts. But it turns out that, oh no, Adam actually forgot everything that happened the last 30 minutes, meaning oh that the God. Earth is cyclically doomed. Oh boy. Is that how it ends? Yeah. That's bleak. Uh, yeah, except that, like, it never actually happens. Oh, that's one of the things he just left in the pile. Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> this gets left in the pile, and the, sea and the sea devils get left in the pile, and some stuff in the second year gets left in the pile. <laughs> okay, well, that was an interesting journey. Yeah. I'm glad you got to join me for it. Thank you for my birth my birthday my early birthday present, Luke. It was very nice. <laughs> I got you. Continuity. <laughs> my favorite. Uh-huh. Oh and... that, see, this is so weird. Cause there's like here's all this and I wonder if this is someone's favorite. There's probably like someone's favorite. <laughs> okay. I just think about that every time I read something that's like kind of nuts but also like of questionable quality and i'm like i wonder if this is someone's favorite and i'm sure it is i mean like when i brought it up people were like wouldn't it be great if there was a marvel tangent thing and it's like not really because whenever <laughs> you now have like the pictures of all the flashes together there's a person who doesn't actually have powers from the speed force running there yeah well dc's always done that and like heroes like dc's always been more about in my opinion or like more apt to like here's all of the universes and here's all of them like i think the spider titles are the only ones that like here's all the spider people ever and it's not even like here's all the x-men ever because there's too many mm -hmm. yeah well and even that spider verse stuff had gaps yeah so uh yeah thank you for coming on and Filling in the role, I think this worked well with a person who had not gotten to read everything. <laughs> yes, um, I was. I'm much more inclined to uh, not rip things to shreds if I'm just being taught about them. It's you know what, there were some okay ideas here. That's yeah, but I, that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> I don't know. Would you want to come on for the next one? You know what, Luke? If you'll have me, I'll. Um, that one's got that Peter David uh, written story. I always like to dunk on him. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. Especially because it's bad. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, so where can you be found online? 
If you would like to follow my podcast, um, The Young Ones, you can find that at Young Ones Cast on Twitter. Um, we make podcasts every other week. Um, we've been doing some interesting stuff recently, just kind of doing some comics wrap-up episodes and, like, doing one-off episodes. We haven't, like, gone on a long comics tangent in a while. Um, that's apt for this episode of Multiversal Q. Um, but if you'd like to find me myself, um, I am at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, where you can find me talking about the X-Men and specifically a guy named Shatterstar a lot. And my normal co-host can be found on Twitter. Uh, he is Devin, who is at Fredo Fett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And you can find me on Twitter at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Multiversal Q is a weekly podcast. We are listener-supported. You can find a link to our Patreon online where you get early episodes of the other podcasts that we do, Exiled, and we'll occasionally record bonus bits. Uh, come back next week for the second week of Tangent. Of Septangent. <laughs> and that wraps us up for this week. Until next time. This one's for Hank. <laughs>